I have in the studio Tori Powell. Tori is, uh, in full disclosure, my is it second cousin. Sure. sure. <laughs> Somewhere down the line. Uh, anyway, she has uh, Talking Time with Tori, I believe. Is that what you call it? Yeah. On Facebook, and I thought it'd be great to have her in the studio. She is a hoot when you watch her, and uh, I figure everybody needs a hoot. <laughs> okay, okay. That's probably one of the nicer things I've ever been referred to. I'll take it. So uh, this is Easter week. Obviously, we just uh, come through uh, last Friday, Good Friday, uh, approaching uh, Easter, and we wanted to talk about Jesus's ministry together. And we're looking at the three years that Jesus walked the earth and what he accomplished and breaking it down year by year. We kind of uh, did a search on it to find this information out. So it might not be 100% accurate, but it's the best we could do uh, off our web search. But anyway, so let's talk about it. So the first year of Jesus' ministry, Jesus is baptized by John. He resists the temptation of Satan himself. His first miracle was turning water into wine. He then goes and cleanses the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. And then he starts to talk about God's love and plan of salvation. Now, this is all during the first year. And then Jesus tells a Samaritan woman about the water of life. And Jesus' early uh, ministry is found in Galilee. And then there he heals a royal official son, which, you know, telltale of things to come, right? And then Jesus announces that he is the Messiah all during his first year. Of course, he's rejected that first year, too, as being the Messiah. All that, talking about getting a start in ministry, that happened in the first year of his ministry life which is crazy that's you know we had 2020 and covid so then there's jesus's first year he did some things <laughs> on his second year which is referred to the years of his popularity he explains salvation and that god is his father that the workers are few and then he sends out his 12 apostles mm -hmm. he gives the sermon on the mount mm -hmm. He introduces the Our Heavenly Father prayer. Mm -hmm. He heals the servant of the Roman officer. He brings back to life a widow's son. He talks about the unpardonable sin. He calms a raging storm. He brings back to life Jairus' daughter. And he heals two blind men. Interesting. And then the last year, su summarizing it, the last year of his uh, existence on earth anyway, before he leaves, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That's a good thing, right? Jesus walks on the water. He prophesies his own death. He's transfigured, we read about. And then he talks about humility. He talks about forgiveness during his uh, third year. He heals a man who was born blind. I see a little repetition here. He keeps healing people. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he raises Lazarus from the dead before giving his own life. So it's interesting when you look at Jesus' life in a nutshell like that to, to find out that there's order to his life. I mean, God ordered his steps. He had certain things that build upon others. You didn't find him walking on the water on the first year of his ministry, maybe the second year, I think is what it said. He didn't feed 5,000 people when he first started, but later on he knew enough about his father, knew about the provisions, and then was able to provide that. So as we grow in ministry and our ability to hear from our father, it seems as though we we build confidence, almost like David. Remember David? He said, I can take this Philistine who's taunting us, no problem. Wait, you're just a kid. You cannot. Go hide. Go do your thing. Mm -hmm. But we are a professional army up here. There's nothing that you can do. No, no, no. Wait. And then he started to tell lion and bear stories. 
God delivered me from the mm-hmm. hand of the bear and the lion. And this dude who's uncircumcised, which means he doesn't have a covenant with God, I can take him out. And they were crazy enough to believe him. They did. And my favorite part of the David and Goliath story isn't, I think, the overall story. People think, oh, it's this little kid. And that rock somehow just hit right at the right place. My favorite part of that story is when they tried to put their armor on him. And he's like, no, I, this, is, this isn't fit. This isn't comfortable. Don't fit me into your mold. Mm-hmm. Let me be who I am and just trust God. That's my favorite part of the story, and I think it's it's overshadowed. But when you look at Jesus, he wouldn't have had 5,000 followers in the first year of his ministry. Mm, that's a good point. And when you look at the first year of his ministry and you actually read into some of these stories, he's telling people, don't, don't go tell people what ha- just happened. Wait. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to be like, dude, this just happened. It's awesome. <laughs> We've got social media. We've got, we want to shout. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm. And then you've got Jesus like, I know I just did this awesome thing for you. Don't talk about it yet. <laughs> just hold on that for a second. Hence his third uh, year talks about humility. <laughs> right. We're not there yet. <laughs> That's right. And as they're probably, you know, ready to throw him off the mountain, he's talking about forgiveness. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he's got a little funny side to him, right? That like, little oh. God wink, like, hang on a second. I got this. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> And then you see his compassion. You know, when when they told him Lazarus had passed, he went to himself and he was, you know, obviously tearful about that whole situation. And it's like he gives you permission. Go be a human mm-hmm. and then come back to reality. God is on our side and he is on both sides of time. If they're in eternity or if they're here stuck, he's on both sides. So for him to call somebody back here, it's not an issue. So he, he was telling him, didn't I tell you? You would see I am the resurrection and right. the life. But he had a humanity moment there. He suffered the loss of a friend. Right. It That didn't dawn on me until we went through some losses in our family that kind of shook us. And growing up, it was go learn from Sunday school, go learn a memory verse and bring it back. Of course, the first one you're going to remember, Jesus wept. (laughs) Easiest one to remember. But as an adult, to think of Christ weeping over his friend, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, so you're, you're giving me that permission to be sad. I think a lot of times in Christianity, it's we got to be this big bubbly person and all the energy and we love everybody. And wait a minute, we, where's our human moment to just be. And that took on a completely different meaning when it was, well, well Jesus cried. So he understood how to comfort me and my grief mm-hmm. because he went through it. Mm-hmm. So I've done many funerals, uh, sadly. And part of the things that I would tell people is that God made us with safety valves, and that's tears. I mean, if you let all that pressure build up on the inside of you, we were never meant to handle that. So God was very merciful to give us the ability to let go of those emotions because you're not meant to carry all that pain, that weight. You know, we live in a fallen world that we were never meant to deal with. So now that we're having to deal with it, he has provided something to help us, uh, whether it's through tears, the emotional rages that we go through or to get it out, not from the sin side of things, let's go sin because we're upset. It's just the fact that he understands that the body has to have a release. 
and sometimes way to put that sometimes christians don't give people the space to have that release they think wait why can't you be spiritual well maybe because i'm trapped in a body (laughs) no that's wait it's early for that wait a minute that just hit my soul it's that's so true and i was talking to um a military veteran last week and he's like everybody has a trauma but you can't judge your trauma and base it off of mine everybody has that has to have that release and in specifically the military setting you are taught and told suck it up right pick it up move on there is no release and that right like that right there is a perfect example where you're supposed to but when you're raised to shut it down mm-hmm. tears are weakness mm-hmm. mm, it's hard to let go. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time just sitting and crying without like, oh, I'm the worst human. Why am I crying? Like, I needed that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but uh, it's going to come out. That's the whole point. Like, Jesus knew, like, you, you can be human around him. I mean, when, you know, you're on your way to heal somebody and, um, you know, the person that's asking you to go heal her, their daughter is emotionally exhausted. I mm-hmm. finally got to you. You've agreed. Let's go. Yeah, no problem. I'll come heal her. And then you get stopped by a woman who has an issue of blood. And now she's having this moment with your physician that mm-hmm. you're wanting his full attention. And then all of a sudden somebody comes and tells you, hey, look, don't even bother him anymore. Right. Don't bother the doctor because – your daughter actually died. I mean, he had an opportunity to lose his mind right there, right? right? But Jesus got him quick, and he said, stop. Mm-hmm. Basically, think about what you're doing. Only believe, mm-hmm. right? So he kept his thought process right. So sometimes the emotional side of things, on a human side, we tend to overreact to something that can change. Oh, Yeah. Because we're not necessarily where we need to be spiritually, but our spiritual uh, leaders among us should be able to kind of bring us back to reality sometimes. I was in the Marine Corps, the suck it up thing's real, right? You just go on. You just, and there's a certain uh, benefit to that, and there's there's a certain uh, reality to look, there's nothing you can do about it right now. Right. Deal with it later, emotional. If you deal with it now, you're dead. Which is fair in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why. But then you've got you Marine and Army veterans raising people like me that don't do that. Right. And no clue how to process emotions. So it's a catch-22. Like, it makes right. sense for you. It mm-hmm. makes no sense for me. Well, well, look at it with the eyes of that gentleman. So he is wanting the physician to come heal the daughter. And he gets word that she's dead. So he has to refocus, like he could lose it right there, mm-hmm. or he could listen to something that's uh, more powerful of a truth than the natural truth. And that's that's where we have to balance as a Christian. It's like, if I go through this emotional state, am I really abandoning what I believe? Because I really believe that he is the Messiah, and mm-hmm. he can fix this. So why would I abandon that just to take on this pleasure for a moment to relieve a fleshly desire to lose my mind? Oh, for sure. And that's where we struggle. That's the taking up the cross part of it, I believe. Oh, I completely agree. And then to move in, to compare the human emotion to Christ. Again, we're we're in Easter. So to think 
what I would be like in that emotional state leading up to Friday. Like it's, it's Tuesday. We've got Friday is the day Jesus was crucified. Nope. Not, not Tori. Not that's, Nope. There would be no feet washing. There would be no last supper. There, none of that. <laughs> there would be no kissing Judas on the cheek. That's nope. But he knew like just to have that frame of mindset as, as the son of God doing something for so many people mm-hmm. and to understand. Nope. Yeah. Knowing that it's coming, knowing more about the future than right. what people are even acknowledging. You know, mm-hmm. Peter had this epiphany, like who Jesus was. And then at the same time, I don't know how long later, but it wasn't very long. He's telling him, no, you're not going to die. I forbid it. And Jesus calls him influenced by Satan. Satan, get behind me. I mean, you go from super spiritual, God's really pleased with you, to super annoying, and you need to <laughs> shut up. Sit down. <laughs> Stop and, talking. And I think we can, you know, do the same thing. Sometimes we're right on target. We're, we're following the plan of God, but then we're influenced by our unfleshly desires because Peter was going through this emotion probably like, dude, if you leave, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we, we're about to watch what they're going to do to you. What are they going to do to us? Yeah, if they don't care about you and you've been doing all the miracles and stuff. Uh, we are in a heap of trouble. Uh-huh. And we weren't like that was. Obviously, we were. That was the whole purpose of him coming. I mean, but then that third day, like, could you imagine? I would just would have loved to been just sitting there when Jesus was like, what's up? I'm back. Hey, how's it going? Like, <laughs> I said, I, didn't I tell you? I, I said, <laughs> you know, how many times do I got to tell you guys? This is what's going to happen. <laughs> You know, what was funny is, um, you know, G- Peter goes through the denial thing and the, you know, the rooster dimed him out, right? So he goes through that, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 you will before the cock grows three <laughs> times, right? So he goes through that, and do you remember what he was called from? The two disciples that were uh, called first was uh, Peter and Andrew, I believe it was, because I always remember that because it sounds like PA, you know. Okay. Jesus used a PA to get the, nice. the message out. Oh, that's going to stick with me too. <laughs> <laughs> so here it is, Peter being called from fishing mm-hmm. to fish for men, uh, which the Bible talks about, he that wins souls is wise. So Jesus is going to show him a new career path, right, so to right. speak. He's going to show him, hey, this is how you win the lost. And he's on that journey, and the training's almost complete, and now he feels like a failure. And what does he do? He goes back to the natural thing. He goes back to fishing. He said, I'm going fishing. And that's where Jesus finds him later, and he's on the shore, and he's got the fish. There's no signs of nets around Jesus, but he's got the the coals there, the fish on the grill, and he yells out to Peter, have you caught anything? Right, I could imagine the thought process in Peter's mind as he jumped off that boat. I'm not doing what Jesus. I was told to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're fishing for the wrong thing again, Peter. No, I, that's when you look at stories like that for, and all of them, it's the question of how is the Bible relevant today. That's that's very much a key relation right there. As far as it's still relevant. That is our nature as humans. Mm-hmm. 
where is your comfort zone? Mm-hmm. And your brain goes on autopilot and you're like, you know, to turn your turn signal on when you're getting in the turn lane, kind of autopilot. Mm-hmm. So when it's uncomfortable and when you don't know what to do, yep. you go back to what made you feel safe. You mm-hmm. go back to what you know to sit in comfort. And for me, a lot of times it's to auto process. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to use anything extra in my body because I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I can just sit and do something very familiar and just be for a second and have that human moment. Mm-hmm. And that's what Peter was doing. He was like, I just watched this. This That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I think he needed that little tap on the shoulder from Jesus. Like, wait a minute. Mm. Okay. You you had your time. Now it's time to come back. I don't think it was wrong for him to sit for a moment. Mm -mm. Cause sometimes you can't just keep going. There has to be that point of rest. Right. Even Jesus rested. Yeah. And I, I think it was the, almost the regrouping. So like Peter had to get away from the current situation of, I just, I just lost my best friend. Mm-hmm. I just lost, you know, somebody that said that he's going to take away the sins of the world. Somebody that, you know, had done huge things. I mean, I, I just watched him be transfigured on a mountain where he looked like God himself. I mean, I just saw him feed 5,000 people. I saw him raise the dead. This is a dude that was taken from me. I mean, mm-hmm. that has to have felt like a huge loss. Now, I'm going to get very natural on you here. <laughs> Non-spiritual. Okay. When Prince died, mm-hmm. the performer, that hit me hard because I was a Prince fan. And I thought this huge icon in the music industry was just taken from us mm-hmm. for, for no reason. Like, I could think of a ton of other people you could take lord but not him <laughs> right Fair. i mean because there are certain people that you come accustomed to liking in your life and you just assume that they're going to be there and i think the right. disciples felt like this guy's speaking the truth he's acting the truth and people are responding and one day he's going to set up a natural kingdom and this is going to be awesome mm-hmm. and they had no idea the the real backstory of what was going to happen and the eternal play that God was making versus the temporal play of the day. I'm not going to judge you on the prince. (laughs) That's fine. Um, It's, it goes back to, I'm a planner for, for myself. There's, there's a well laid out plan to any part of my day. And I also plan for wrenches to be thrown into my day. I am the type of person that when I go on vacation, I will plan a block of time to do nothing and just relax. I have to plan to relax. That is my personality. And then there's God's plan. And he plans for all the wrenches and he plans for all the pieces, but there's still free will. Mm -hmm. So his plan doesn't change. We can mess up the, the timing maybe based off of our choices, but his plan and his purpose for you is and always will be the same. And I love that. So at the end of the day, no matter what I'm going through, if I sit down and just say, okay, you have a plan. And it's not a question. It's period. You have a plan. Just make sure I'm on the right path. 
you have your own timing. It has nothing to do with, I need this done within the next hour. It's all God's timing Mm -hmm. for his purpose, for his glory, for his benefit, so that we, who have done nothing right, get to hang out Mm -hmm. in paradise forever. It's That's... Sign me up. That's an awesome plan. I have a prayer that I pray that I encourage everybody to pray. But anyway, it's I had a, uh, a thought process. It's like, God, don't let me live and die without having fulfilled what you've called me here to do. And that's my prayer. Don't let me live and die this life. You know, I'm giving you permission to intervene, do whatever you have to do. Because if it's, if it's choice, this is my choice. Intervene. Do whatever you have to do to me to make sure that I'm fulfilling what you've called me here to do because I think that we've all originated from him, came to this earth, and now we have a plan. On our lives, the calling of God is without repentance. So there's something that we're supposed to be doing uh, before we go back mm-hmm. uh, because all life came from him. Mm-hmm. So before we go back and meet our father again, it's just like Jesus did. What do we need to do here? What was I put in Ohio? I mean, come right. on. This is the mission field from, you know, this is like the Africa. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad, but it's just like you. if you would have picked it for yourself, you'd have picked something else. You know, oh, I'd for have, sure. I'd have picked some tropical climate for sure. I could go to Bora Bora. Like, <laughs> I don't even know where that is, but it sounds I've tropical. I've seen pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I would gladly live in one of the huts on the water. Um, With all the bugs, too? No, God, you're going to have to do something with those. No, there's a net. That's fine. (laughs) That's where the net comes in. (laughs) Bugs are uh, good for fish. Yeah, we can fish with them. Right. So we're talking about Jesus's life and ministry and how we respond uh, in our own lives with his calling on our lives, uh, looking at Passover this week and getting ready for the crucifixion on the Friday and the good, uh, (laughs) good news come Sunday, the resurrection of our Savior. But uh, recap for us. All right. Well, first year, you've got that over there. But, um, okay. So Jesus was uh, baptized by John the Baptist in his first year. Resisted the temptation of Satan, which is very important because that shows us that we can do that too. Mm -hmm. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. He (laughs) cleansed the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. Uh, he talks about God's love plan of salvation. He tells the Samaritan woman about the water of life. He starts his early ministry in Galilee. He heals a royal officer's son, and he announces that he is the Messiah. And then he's rejected as the Messiah in his first year. His second year, he explains what salvation is and that God is his father, He explains that the workers are few. Man, that hits. Jesus sends out his 12 apostles. He gives the Sermon on the Mount. He introduces the Our Heavenly Father prayer. He heals the servant of the Roman officer. He brings back to life a widow's son in Nain. He talks about the unpardonable sin. He calms a raging storm. Thank you, Lord. Jesus brings back to life Jairus' daughter, and he heals two blind men. I, I think it's interesting. The second year of ministry, he's calling for more help. Right. Yeah, there's the laborers are few. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and every pastor right there will be like, amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> oh, all right. And for his third year, he feeds 5,000 people. He walks on the water. 
He prophesies his own death. I bet he did that calmly too. <laughs> of course. I would not. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus all cool. Like, yeah, I'm going to die. So this is what's going to happen, but it's cool. Jesus is transfigured. He talks about humility. He talks about forgiveness. He heals a man who was born blind, and then he raises Lazarus from the dead. And those are his three years. In a nutshell. Now, I think it's funny. I'm just now reading your shirt. I'm only talking to Jesus today. And Mike Myers. (laughs) (laughs) And whoever else is listening to this. So I appreciate you stopping in the studio. We're just recapping on Jesus's life and seeing what he did over the last three years before he actually gives his life on the cross. This week of Good Friday um, uh, coming up, well, I guess is it Good Friday last week. No, Palm, no. Palm Sunday last week. Palm Sunday, Good Friday. Good Friday coming up, and then Easter. All right, so now thank you for correcting me. We'll get it straight. It's All right. Fine. All right. Well, you've been listening to Michael Myers and Tori on Let's Talk. Tori closes out with just a word or a prayer, either one you want to do. All right. Well, Lord, I thank you for this day and this time to come and speak about you and all your works. I thank you for coming into my life and coming to earth to be a human, to meet me at my needs so that I can live with you. I love you. I praise you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Bible makes it pretty quick and easy. Romans 10, 13 says, if you call upon him, you'll be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So call on him today, friends. This is Michael and Tori saying, have a good day. Happy Easter. Yes. <laughs>